morning, Kavanaugh. Will you stand with us? Let's begin our worship this morning. From the day you saved my soul. Thank you so much for joining us here at Kavanaugh Church. Church family, it's good to see you, all right? And online, 
thank you for tuning in. We're glad you're there as well. Even though we can't see you, we know you're there, all right? But it's good to see everybody, and we're so thankful that you made it out today to worship and celebrate Jesus. And it's good. I know he has something really, really awesome for us here today. So I'm going to invite you all to stand back you sat down in the first place, because that song was awesome. I want you to hand out a few air high fives, okay? And let's continue to worship this morning. I was buried beneath my shame.
Christ has removed our sin, He's removed our shame, and He's brought us into the light. Amen? Amen. He took the weight of our sins as if they were His very own. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but He died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. He took the punishment that we deserved so that we could be saved. Boy, that makes me want to praise him. Praise him. You know, something I I say to our group quite a bit when we're preparing to come out on Sundays is just a reminder about what we're doing and what if this were the last time, this side of heaven, we would get to be together just like this and worship and praise our Savior. And I just challenge them, I challenge us to let our worship be meaningful. Let it mean something. Let it be sweet to Him. Let me challenge you this morning. Guys, don't let anything hinder you. Don't say, oh, I just really don't feel like it today. What if this was your last chance, right? Let's praise him this morning for the amazing gift of Jesus Christ.
Good morning, Kavanaugh. 
Everybody good out here? Fantastic. Glad that you're in the Lord's house and uh, we, we welcome those who are watching online. Thank you for uh, tuning us in. And for those of you who are here, let, let me hear you. All right. Well, that, that'll do for right now. Okay. Hey, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today. I want to get back in my series on the spirit way. And today we're going to talk about body parts. What a miracle the human body is. Amen. I have to agree with the psalmist in 139 when he says, we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. And it's staggering how unbelievably complex God has designed your human body. I understand that we have over 200 bones in our body, 650 skeletal muscles, 210 different cell types, dozens of internal organs, and scores of external features like your hair and your eyes and your nose and your mouth and your ears and your arms and your hands and your fingers and your legs and your toes, and the list goes on and on. In addition to that, there are many different systems that are at work in your body. The human brain by itself is a marvel that is beyond description. So let me just say again, we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. And the fact that all of this is so intricately woven together and functions so naturally is nothing short of a miracle because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So look at your neighbor, whoever is sitting next to you, and say this to them, wow, you're amazing. Come on, say that. Wow, you're amazing. Because you really are. So it is no surprise that when the Bible sets about to describe the church, it most often uses the image of a human body. And today you're going to see the wisdom of God in this as we turn together to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All of this happens by the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the Spirit way, and so let me talk about the Spirit way when it comes to your body and also this body, which is the body of Christ. Uh, let me just begin by reading verses 12 and 13. Paul says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And may God add his blessings to the reading of his word. The church is the body of Christ. And what is true about the physical body of human beings is also true about the spiritual body known as the church or the body of Christ. When it is functioning properly, the church is like a body. Every person in the church is a part of or a member of the body. And the body of Christ has the exact same mission that the earthly body of Jesus Christ had 2,000 years ago. And what is that? It is to seek and to save the lost. And for that mission to be accomplished, we are to function as a body because that is how God designed our church. 
So as we examine 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me point out three things that are in these verses. The first one is our union or your union to the body of Christ. I'm going to again read verses 12 and 13. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Notice in the first verse there the word parts. Just as a body, though one has many what? Parts. But all its many what? Parts form one body. Other translations use the word members there. So every body has many parts or every body has many members. God designed the human body like that. Okay? Jude the dude. I'm going to pick on you right there. Jude the dude, my man. Dead-eyed Jude is what I call you because he's a great shot. Don't be alarmed. This is okay. I'm just talking to you, Jude. Jude is sitting there, and Jude, Jude has different body parts, and all of these parts of his body make Jude Jude. And so, Jude, I'm glad for your fingers, your feet, your arms, your legs, that cool hair you got, that awesome nose you have, your awesome smile, your ears, all of those parts make Jude, Jude. Aren't you thankful that those parts make Jude, Jude? Jude the dude, he's quite a guy. So all of those parts make him who he is. And it's the same way with the body of Christ. We talk about the importance of church membership. Now why is church membership important? Because that's what the Bible is teaching in this passage. It is individual members who make the body of Christ what it is. So you are a part of the body. You are a member of this church. And because of that, our church is important because you're a part of it. When God saved you, you were united to the body of Christ. God did not save you as an individual just to go about your life independent from the rest of the body of Christ. Now, when I was a kid, I loved to watch the Lone Ranger. He was awesome. You know? But that's not the way you can live your Christian life. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. God wants you to be a part of his body. And, and what the Spirit of God does when we are saved is that he connects us to the body of Christ and plugs us into a local congregation. Remember, we all receive spiritual gifts when we're saved. When we invite Jesus into our heart, the Holy Spirit moves in. The very first thing that he does is he gives us spiritual gifts. And so the Lord adds to his body the people who are being saved, and it is the Holy Spirit of God, after gifting you as he has, that forms and shapes and molds this body into the organism that it is. It's the body of Christ. This body, this church, is to be the visible manifestation of Jesus Christ in this city and in our world. So what must happen in our church is that when we walk out of these four doors, or four walls, and out the doors into the real world, that we act like Jesus in the city that we live. So that our city that is vastly lost 
and greatly separated from God may see the image of Christ in us and also through our church. So we are one in the body of Christ. Every one of you is a member or a part of the body of Jesus Christ. You got that? Give me a thumbs up if you're good. We're all good. Fantastic. So let's go on to point number two. Not only our union to the body, but our uniqueness in the body of Christ. In the church, we are united as Christ. That is, we have become one. And yet we are all different and unique in the way God has gifted us and created us. Every one of us are different. Now what I'm going to do is just go through the next few verses and exegete this or explain this. For example, verse 14. He says, even so the body is not made up of one part, but it's made up of many parts. Now, just think this through, considering your own physical body. You are one body, and yet there are many different unique parts to that one body. Now, hopefully all of you still have all your fingers attached. Right? So look at your hands. You've got eight fingers and two thumbs, makes ten total, okay, phalanges there. But look at them, just, just your right hand right now. Everybody look at your right hand. Look at that hand. Not one of those phalanges or fingers are the exact same, are they? I mean, they're all different. They, they, we, in fact, we've named them pointer finger, long finger, ring finger, pinky finger, thumb, right? And they're all different. But what is even more unique is they've got cousins over here. Compare the two, right and left hand. You know, pointing fingers on, on both. They're different. They both have their unique curves and twists on my hand. <laughs> How about yours? So even though we have these body parts, all of these body parts are uniquely different. Look at verse 15 now. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Now, this is amazingly interesting to me. It's talking about your feet. Look down at your foot. Mine's covered up with a shoe. How about yours? Now, feet in and of themselves are not very pretty. That's why most of us keep them covered up most of the time. All right? A few of you are proud of your feet, and you let your feet out all the time, you know? Others of us, we don't have very pretty feet, and so we, we keep our feet covered up, you know, because they're not very pretty. My feet are not pretty. The Bible says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. Well, the Holy Spirit left my feet out of that explanation, apparently. But, but my feet are not nearly as bad as Shaquille O'Neal's feet. Have you ever seen Shaq's feet? Anyway, we won't go there. I was going to put up a big picture of Shaquille O'Neal's feet. He's got the ugliest feet of anybody I've ever seen, all right? But that's beside the point. You know, feet are important, aren't they? I mean, what if your feet all of a sudden decided one day, I am sick and tired of carrying this mass around, because that's what our feet do. And they just, you know, they rebelled. They said, we're not going to be feet anymore. We want to be hands. So you got four hands and no feet. You tell me, how would that work for you? Not very good. So feet are important. They're different, but they're important, right? Are you with me? Let's go on to the next verse, 16. 
And if the ear should say, because I'm not the eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Now, ears are a whole lot like feet, are they not? You don't compliment feet or ears very much. Maybe you've had somebody say to you, oh, you have beautiful eyes. Have you ever had anybody say that to you? Your eyes are so pretty. Apparently, nobody's ever had that said to you. It's a great compliment. What beautiful eyes you have. But you never have anybody say to you, oh, what beautiful ears you have. I mean, do you? It, that reminds me of Little Red Riding Hood, doesn't it? When, when, the, when the big bad wolf dressed up like Grandma, what did Little Red Riding Hood say? Grandma, what great big <laughs> ears you have. That's what they'd be saying to me. Now, here's what I want you to pick up on when we talk about these feet and we talk about these ears. There is an error that is mentioned here, wrong thinking that is going on. And what is the error that is mentioned in verses 15 and 16? It is this thought, I do not belong to the body. Because I'm a foot, I don't belong to the body. Because I'm an ear, I don't belong to the body. But that's just bad thinking. But maybe you have been tempted to think that way spiritually at times. Because I'm different, I don't belong here. Have you ever felt that way in church? Because I, I'm different, I just don't feel like I belong here. Or, or maybe it's since we've started talking about spiritual gifts and, and you've been looking at your own gift list and maybe you don't have one of those upfront gifts like teaching or preaching or exerting or exhorting and, and, and maybe it's caused you to feel a little bit inferior and, and you maybe feel like you're not very important in the church. My caution to you is this, whatever may cause you to feel inferior or unneeded, don't allow that to pull you away from the rest of the body. Because you tell me, what happens when you take a body part away from the body it's connected to? It ain't going to last. It's going to wither. And die. I heard a true story not long ago about a construction worker building a huge building in a big city. Accident occurred, chopped two of his fingers off. Now, what this guy didn't do is pick up those two fingers that had been chopped off, throw them into the trash pile and say, oh, I don't need those anymore, and go back to work. No, here's what they did. They scooped up the two fingers, put them on ice in an ice chest, and took those two fingers and the man to the nearest hospital as quick as they could, where they did a miraculous thing. They reconnected his fingers to his hand. Isn't that amazing? So if you would withdraw from the church, your spiritual life is going to dry up. It's going to happen. And, and I'm, I'm not being mean-spirited when I say this. COVID-19 is a real thing. But my fear, my fear through this whole COVID-19 is that it is going to cause some people to begin thinking, you know what, I don't really have to show up to church anymore. Even after COVID-19 is over with and we get back to whatever the new normal is, I can worship just fine at home online. Can I say, I'm saying out of the love of my heart, no, you can't. Whether you're a part of this church or any other church, you can't operate like that. You need to be plugged into this church. Why? Because if you withdraw from the fellowship of this church, it is going to have significant spiritual impacts on your life. You will draw, dry up. 
you will begin to die spiritually. And not only that, the church is hurt if you're not here. Because you're a part of the body. And just like your body needs all of its parts to function normally, we need you here so that we can function normally. Now look at verse number 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smelling? I think that's pretty straightforward, don't you? Just because we're not all the same doesn't mean that others don't need us in the body of Christ because we're all needed. So the error in thinking says, I don't belong to the body. And that error is always corrected with truth. So what is the truth here? It's found in verse 18. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So this is something that God does. And what does God do? He arranges the parts of the body just like he wants them to be. Some translation says he sets the members as he wills. What that means is this. God is the one in charge of building this church. God is the one who brings people into this church who are saved by his grace, gifted by his Holy Spirit, and plugged into the ministry of this church. So if you're back there thinking, you know what, Uh, I just don't really belong here. You, in effect, are not doubting yourself. What you're doing is questioning God. Because God is the one who has placed you exactly where he wants you to be. And that is in this fellowship. Now, the body is about unity, but the body is also about diversity. Why would I say that? Well, just, just, just look at us. We, we are quite a diverse group of people. Young, old, men, women, single, married. Uh, some of us, you know, dressed up. Others of us not dressed up. Some of us watching online are still in our pajamas. You know what I mean? We're, we're, we're just a, a picture of diversity. We all have different gifts and different skill abilities. God has arranged the parts of the body this way. Why? Because God likes diversity. I mean, what good would it be for us if we were all the same? I mean, if, if you and I were exactly the same and all that we do and say and can be for the body of Christ, one of us is unimportant. You're not needed. Just joking right there. But God has made us all different. Why? Because God loves diversity. And the better we understand this independence, interdependence, and diversity, the better we can fulfill the mission that Jesus has called us to, and that is to seek and to save the lost. In verse 20, he says, As it is, there are many parts, but just one body. So we are the body of Christ, but all of us are put together to be the body of Christ. So we've talked about our union. We've talked about our uniqueness. Let's finish by talking about our unselfishness in the body of Christ. There were some members in the church at Corinth who had perhaps the more spectacular gifts, and maybe they had the idea somewhere in their brain that they didn't need other people in the church. While the ones we just talked about had an inferiority complex, the ones we are about to talk about 
had the opposite of that. They had a superiority complex about their gifts. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So again, we're dealing with this wrong thinking or this error. What is the error? The error is in the statement, I don't need you. Are you with me? The first error said, I don't belong here. The second error says, you don't belong here. That first error said, you don't need me. The second error says, I don't need you. Look at verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. So what he is saying is this, those parts of the body that seem weaker are really necessary for your body to function. They only seem weaker to us. And those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we treat them with special honor. Notice we only think they are less honorable. God sees them as essential. And you're thinking, Brother Will, what in the world are you talking about? Well, just think about your own human body. Sometimes the parts of the body that we don't see are really more vital to the parts of the body that we do see. That make sense? Stop and think about it. Would you rather live without a pinky finger or a kidney? I see my pinky finger. I don't see my kidney. But you know what? I need that kidney a lot, which would be a greater concern of yours, to have foot surgery or to have heart surgery. Again, I can see my foot. I can't see my heart, but you know what? My heart is important. <laughs> I can't live a minute without it pumping the blood. You know what? It's not seen, but it is vitally important. You, you see, just because a part of the body isn't as prominent as other parts of the body, that doesn't mean that they aren't very important to the body. Therefore, you and I as church members don't have the luxury to look around the church and think, well, I need you, but I don't need you. You're important to me, but you're not important to me. No, we may not all be equally visible in the church, but let me tell you, we are all all of us equally essential to the church. You're important. Note, again, the error is corrected by the truth. And the truth is found in verses 24 and verse 25. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division or schism in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for what? For each other. Now, the way God sees it, and I guess really his way is the only way that's important, right? The way God sees it is that the parts of the body that we consider less honorable are really the ones that he honors. Because what has God done? 
God has composed the body. God has put the body together. God has mixed together the parts of the body to where what each one brings to the church when blended together with what everybody else brings to the church makes something that is great. Jude the dude. All, all of your body parts, all those toes, all those fingers, all those hair molecules that you have, those big old eyes you got, those beautiful ears, all of them are important because they make you, you. You know what? That's the way it is with you. You're important, every one of you, because you make us, Kavanaugh Church, who we are. And I want you to pick up on this, and I'll close with it. Here's what he says in verse 25. There should be no division. One, one translation uses the word schism. There should be no schism, no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. What that is meaning is this. When there is something wrong with your physical body, when there is a sickness or an illness or an injury, it not only affects that one particular body part, it affects all of you, doesn't it? You're all affected. The whole body's affected. Uh, I told the first service four weeks ago when I was preaching the first service, nine o'clock service, four weeks ago, right in the middle of my sermon, I lost, I lost vision. Everything went blurry in my vision. I couldn't, I couldn't see the people out there. I could not see my notes. And I'm freaking out. Right in the middle of my 9 o'clock sermon four weeks ago, I'm freaking out because I can't see. Now, that's based on my eye history. I don't know, it's been 16, 17 years ago, I had a problem with my left eye. had a, a blind spot that occurred there, and there's a little dead spot in that left eye. Now, I don't notice it now until I go to the eye doctor, and you've got to read those letters, and I have to move my head around. There's a dead spot in my left eye. That made my right eye my good eye. But then about three years ago, I had a stroke in my right eye. And now there's a huge dead spot in my right eye. And for the last three years, I've been going to the Arkansas Retina Clinic, and they've been studying and watching this eye to make sure that it, it doesn't get worse and I don't have to have surgery. I had to have several injections into this eye. That's a story in and of itself. But about two months ago, I went to the eye doctor. My eye doctor, Dr. Davis, looked at my right eye, and he said, you know, Will, he said, I don't think you need to come back to see me anymore because everything is normal. You're doing good, and so I'm giving you the thumbs up. You don't come back unless you have to, unless something else happens. Well, four weeks ago, something else happened. Right in the middle of my first sermon, everything went blurry, and I'm freaking out because I, I know something is not right. I can't see. And I'm, I'm trying to preach, <laughs> and I can't just stop my sermon, can I? i got to keep preaching. So I finish the sermon, and I go back to my office, and I, I'm doing this eye test on me to figure out which eye's messed up. And I find out it's my left eye, which was my bad eye, which became my good eye, and now it's bad again. And all I can see out of that left eye is this big brown glob floating around. And it's making my vision blurry. So the next morning, I call and make an appointment, the, the retina clinic, and I go in, see Dr. Davis, and he said, he walked in the room and says, you're not supposed to be here. What happened? 
And I explained to him what happened while I was preaching. He, he looked at the x-rays and all the stuff, and he said, okay, I, I got good news and bad news. He said, the bad news is what happened to you yesterday was a blood vessel burst in your eye. So that's the bad news. Good news is you're going to be okay because that's not what happened to your right eye. And he said, here's what's going to happen. He said, the human body is so amazing your body is going to absorb the blood that's floating around in your eye, and in a couple of months, you're not even going to know anything happened. Now, again, I want to go back to Psalms 139. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, aren't we? And that, that, that is amazing. But you know what? When, when, you can't, when you can't see, when you can't focus, when there is a problem with your eyes, you know what? It messes everything else up in your life. Everything else is concerned about that. Everything else is trying to compensate for that. I, I got a lot more time, so let me just tell you another woe story from Will Harmon. As you get older, I'm about to turn 59, Brother Johnny. Next month I'll turn 59. Things start going wrong with your old body. Do you know that? And, and your list gets longer and longer. I messed up my shoulder years ago, and, and I got to the point where I couldn't even lift my shoulder this high on this right arm, and I just got sick and tired of it because when your arm is hurting, it hurts the rest of your body when your shoulder hurts. So I went to a special doctor up in northwest Arkansas, Lucas's friend, and he did surgery on me and cleaned it up, and look at me now, man. I can, you know, he, he kind of fixed it. It still snap, crackles, and pops every time I move it, but at least I can move it now. But here's the deal. The rest of my body is so happy that my shoulder got fixed. Because that was affecting everything else. I would get up six, seven times during the night with pain in my right shoulder and just, just have to get up. Man, I'm not very happy when I get up. And it woke Angie up. So she's glad. Her body's glad. And my body's glad this shoulder got fixed. You understand what I'm saying to you guys? Is it, so isn't it amazing when you do get up on a particular morning, and you young guys, y'all don't get this yet, but you're going to get it, I guarantee you. <laughs> you nickel boys are going to get it because y'all are rough, and you're doing stuff right now to your bodies, you're going to pay for it. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> isn't it amazing, older people, when you do get up on that particular morning and everything feels okay? I mean, really, you're, you're moving, you're feeling good physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Everything's clicking. You're running on all eight cylinders. And you think you can conquer the world. Isn't it great to feel that way? Isn't it great to be that way? I just wonder why can't I feel that way every morning, you know? But it is an amazing feeling. Can you understand that's the way the... God wants our church to be every single day of the week, functioning on all cylinders, every part doing what it is supposed to do, every member connected to the body, fulfilling the mission that we've been called to fulfill. And let me remind you, our mission, our mission as the body of Christ is the same mission that the body, the physical body of Jesus had when he walked on planet earth. That was to seek and to save the lost. In Kavanaugh Church, the only way we can accomplish our mission is for every part of the body to be plugged in and doing what God made you 
to do. The challenge is right now in the middle of COVID-19. How, how do we get plugged in? Well, we're trying to be as innovative as we possibly can, but a lot of it falls on your shoulders. You're going to have to find ways to be plugged in and doing the work of the ministry for the glory of God in this church. And let me tell you, church membership is important. It's important that you be connected to and plugged into a local body of believers. And Heavenly Father, I pray that we would do that today, that we would get plugged in, that we would become connected. There may be someone in person or online listening right now that, that is away from you. Maybe they've never been saved. They don't have a relationship with you, Lord. I pray that today they would invite Jesus into their heart, that they would be born again, that the Holy Spirit would move into their heart and gift them in the way you want them to be gifted so that they can be used in this body of believers. And Lord, for the rest of us who are saved, may we understand the value of our ministry in this church, that you have us here for a reason and that we are to use our gifts for the building of your kingdom. Challenge us, dear Lord, to be all that we can be and should be in the body of Christ, and we'll praise you for it. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for listening online. I challenge you to do your part in the body of Christ. Here in a moment, when you leave the room, uh, don't forget to drop your offering in one of those uh, offering boxes, or you can give online. Don't forget to pray every day at 1.30 for It's Our Turn. I can't wait until we can come back and, uh, and, and push the play button on our campaign. Drive around the building and notice the work that is being done. Hopefully this next week they're going to start drill, drilling piers for our new building. Uh, pray for the construction. Pray for It's Our Turn. Pray for one another. All right, We have many who need to be lifted up in prayer. Let's don't forget to do that. God loves you. I love you. The staff loves you. Love on each other six feet apart as you leave, all right? You're dismissed. God bless you.